There is a lady named Autumn Lynn who lives in Georgia who owns her own business where she guarantees that she can teach your child to swim in three days or your money back. You have to book months in advance due to the long waiting list to be able to take your child to some of Autumn Lynn's swimming sessions. Evidently, there are a lot of parents out there like me, maybe like you, who are tired of getting the evil stares at the swimming pool from the helicopter moms who are wondering why your child is screaming at the top of their lungs because you lied to them. A lot of my kids, you lie to yours too, don't judge me. You get them in the pool, you say, don't let go. You say, I won't let go. You're lying. You will let go because they'll never learn how to swim as long as they're holding on to you. So maybe you've had my experience. You let go and the blood-curdling screams from the children cause all the parents to assume you're an awful, awful parent. And so maybe you decide you want to use Autolin. And so uh, you sign up for one of our classes months in advance. Three days your child will swim or your money back. And in over 20 years of her business, Autumn Lynn has never had to refund anyone's money. Never, not once, which is pretty incredible. But here's the catch. She's mean. She's really, really mean. When a kid shows up on the first day, the first thing that Autumn Lynn does is she picks him up and she throws him into the deep end. <laughs> she calls the first lesson, find the wall. Find the wall. She does hire a few college kids to make sure no one drowns, but the kid's responsibility is to find the wall. Eventually, the kid finds the wall, and it's not uncommon to see them throwing up or gagging on the side of the pool from digesting so much water. And Autumn has one rule to the parents. I'm in charge. Don't say anything. Don't help your kid. Don't come get him. If you help him, take him. It's over. I'm in charge. And so she throws them in. And they've got to figure out how to find the wall. Now, my brother, who lives in Georgia, he's taken two of his four kids to Autumn Lynn. And he says that the same thing happens every time. You take the kids. The kids are kind of excited because they're going to a swimming pool. They think they're going to learn how to swim. And all the moms take the kids the first day. They're excited. He says, second day, all the dads take the kids. None of the moms will go back. None of the moms will go back. So it's not uncommon to see parents crying, kids yelling, screaming, I hate you, don't make me do this. Autumn does not flinch. Second day, they're dragging kids through the parking lot to get them into the pool. But inevitably, every time, by the second day, all the kids have figured out how to swim. And so the third day is just a fun day where they order pizza and everybody jumps off the diving board and has a really good time. Now, this should not surprise any of us, should it? Because if you know how to swim, you know that there's nothing scary about swimming. If you know how to swim, you know that there's nothing to be afraid of. It's incredibly simple. No one should be afraid of swimming. But you can't rationalize with someone who is afraid because fear is irrational. You can't rationalize with somebody afraid. Fear is irrational. The only way that someone can overcome fear is to look it in the eye and to conquer it. That's it. 
The only way to learn how to swim is to conquer it. The only way to learn how to ride the bicycle without training wheels is to conquer it. We're still working on that one around our house. You cannot talk yourself out of fear. You've got to conquer it. And that's what we're going to talk about for this last week of, uh, of the series Chase the Lion. I actually found on the internet a list of the 20 most popular fears uh, in history. These fears, uh, through research and surveys, these are the 20 most popular uh, fears that people have. Maybe you can relate to some of these. I'll give them to you pretty quickly. Number one fear of all time is the fear of spiders. Anybody in the room? <laughs> the fear of spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Number two is the fear of snakes. I don't know who likes a snake, but there is a fear of snakes. Number three, the fear of heights. Anybody got a fear of heights? Anybody? Anybody? I'm getting more and more afraid of heights the older I get. I don't know why that is. The fear of crowded spaces. The fear of dogs. That's kind of odd. That's number five, the fear of dogs. Uh, the fear of thunder and lightning. The fear of small spaces. Really? A lot of, a lot of fear of small spaces. They have a lot of response there. Really? Wow. Okay. Um, the fear of germs. The fear of flying. Anybody afraid to get on an airplane? Anybody afraid of flying? Oh, come on. I'm going to have to get you on an airplane. We're going on a trip. I love flying. I, I'm weird. I love airports. I'm just, I just love I like good line of layovers. I grew up in Atlanta. And the airport was like going to an amusement park. It was great. If you're ever laid over in Atlanta, go to the econ course. Got a great food court, free Wi-Fi, just so you know. Okay. Um, this one's odd. The fear of holes. I'm not sure exactly what that is. The fear of cancer, the fear of death, the fear of public speaking, which is so odd. I heard Jerry Seinfeld say one time that more people are afraid of death than public speaking. Or more, speaking, more people are afraid of public speaking than death. So uh, they would, at a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than given the eulogy, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> the fear of being alone, the fear of failure, the fear of birds, the fear of chickens. The fear of crowds. So many people are like, how do you talk in front of people? But anyway, just get it. The fear of intimacy. And number 20 on the list is actually number one for me. The fear of needles. Anybody in the room? The fear of needles. Yeah. I know I'm a grown man and I should get over it. You get over it. All right? I don't... I mean, I have a traumatizing story that I won't bore you with. Let's just say that the nurses were crying by the time I left. So, um, for this last week of this series, Chase Long, we're going to talk about conquering our fears. And this has been a series about courage. So, a series about courage and challenging you to fight for something in your life that matters. Maybe it's a big prayer you're afraid to say out loud or a dream that has been on your mind for years. And you know that God is calling you to go for it. You know that, that God is challenging you to be more, do more, dream more, pray more. And so my prayer, my hope for you is that this series has walked you to the cliff of the status quo and pushed you over the edge. That God will not allow you to stay comfortable in the safe space maybe that you're hiding out. And we spent the last few weeks hanging out in 2 Samuel chapter 23, reading stories about David's mighty men. These were, um, these were men's men. I mean, these guys were so courageous 
so fearless that they got their own chapter in the Bible chronicling their accomplishments. There were guys that we looked at in chapter 23, like Joshua Bowen. The Bible says that he once killed 800 enemy warriors with a single spear. That's pretty incredible. And, uh, and then there was a guy, Eleazar, the son of Dodai, who didn't just stand his ground when the entire army retreated, but he taunted the enemy along with King David, and two versus maybe a couple hundred or maybe even thousands, they were able to win a great victory. And there are other stories in 2 Samuel chapter 23 of incredible heroics, but I want us for this last week to skip ahead to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20, and read a story about a man named Benaiah. Everybody say Benaiah. <laughs> so if you want to go ahead and find the story in your Bible or whatever you use for your Bible, you can do that. 2 Samuel 23, verse 20. If not, it's going to be up on the, uh, the screen for you. But I've said each week of this series, and I want to say it one more time, that I'm really challenging the men. I'm really challenging the men during this series. Everyone can learn from it. Everyone can be inspired from these stories. But I have a special burden for the men during our time together in this series. And as we read these stories of incredible courage, I am praying that God will inspire you to be the mighty man of God that he is calling you to be. That you would turn off the Xbox and come up out of the basement or the man cave. That, that you would put the phone down or the remote. And that you would fight for your marriage, your family, your faith, your dreams, your career. You would, you would fight to be the mighty man of God that, that God is calling you to be. And Jesus promised us, and he said to us in John 10, verse 10, he said that he came to give us life to the fullest. He wants us to have full life. But you'll never find full life, listen to me, fellas, you're never going to find full life on the sidelines of life. You're not going to find full life with your next car purchase, I don't care how incredible it is or how many horsepower it has, how much horsepower it has, you're never going to find full life in your next promotion at work. You will only find full life when you decide to become the mighty man of God that he's called you to be or the mighty woman of God. Listen, real men love God. Real men love God. Real men worship God. There's nothing more manly than raising your hands and worshiping God. I love, I love meeting so many of, of you guys over the years. You come because your wife drags you along, or your girlfriend, or you want somebody to be your girlfriend, so you come, and, and, and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just here for them, and then God gets a hold of your heart, and then three months later, you got your eyes closed during worship, and then six months later, you're kind of doing the, like, you know, the this little thing, nobody can see me. And then like a year later, man, you are just full throttle, hands up, like worshiping Jesus. Let me tell you something. That's manly. Amen. Real men worship. Am I right, ladies? Real men worship. Real men love God. Real men love their wives. Real men pray out loud. I lunch with a guy from the church two weeks ago who was telling me that after now, almost two years of marriage, that he was finally able to... To, to pray out loud with his wife. 
I just thought that was so incredible. So incredible. Real men say, I love you. Real men share how they feel. Real men sacrifice. Real men face their fears. And so for this last week together, let's talk about conquering our fears. 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 20. This is what it says. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoda, a valiant warrior from Kebzil. He did many heroic deeds, Benaiah did, which included killing two champions of Moab, which if you just stop there is pretty incredible. You know, I mean, two on one, these two champions, he defeated them. But that's not what Benaiah is known for. Another time, the Bible says, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and he killed it. Wow. This is the definition of insanity. If it wasn't in the Bible, we would say he's an idiot. All right? But it's in the Bible, so we're not going to say that. But who chases a lion? It's one thing to run from a lion and run out of speed. And so in self-defense, you defend yourself and somehow you come out the victor. But that's not what Benaiah did. Benaiah saw the lion, started chasing the lion... Chased him down. Because that's what lion chasers do. Lion chasers run to the roar. On January 1st, 1831, William Lloyd Garrison, an anti-slavery activist, began a paper called The Liberator. He published 1,820 issues over 35 years, speaking out eloquently and passionately against slavery and for the rights of America's black population. And in his first edition of, uh, of The Liberator, he wrote this statement. He says, I do not wish to think or speak or write with moderation. I am in earnest and will not equivocate. I will not excuse. I will not retreat a single inch and I will be heard. That is running to the roar. In 1914, Ernest Shackleton, a British explorer, he embarked on an expedition to Antarctica. And his recruitment advertisement in the London Times paper read like this. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, Honor and recognition in case of success. I love that. You put that kind of ad in the paper, you're going to get a certain type of man. And it's not that lion chasers are oblivious to what could go wrong, but they are more interested in what might happen if things go right. Lion chasers are more afraid of missing opportunities than making mistakes. You know, psychologists say that we're born with two fears, that all of us, that every single person is born with only two fears. The first fear is the fear of loud noises, the fear of loud noises, and the second fear is the fear of falling. That is the only two fears that we're born with, but we're all born with them, which means that every other fear that you have in your life, you picked up somewhere along the way. You weren't born with it. You, you, it was not genetic. It wasn't passed down to you. You picked it up 
or learned it somewhere along the way because you were not born with it. And I think it's interesting that all of us are born with the fear of loud noises because the Bible describes our enemy, Satan, as a roaring lion. We talked about this last week a little bit. But the Bible describes him as a roaring lion. Did you know that you could hear the lion, our lion roar from five miles away? Five miles. I actually talked to somebody after the first service when I told this story that has been on a safari uh, journey and has been, uh, could hear a lion from five miles away and then also got up close to the lion and, and I mean, took, took her breath away and gave her chills. And, and so it's interesting to me that we're born with a fear of loud noises and our enemy's biggest tactic is a loud roar. I, I think that's pretty interesting. And it's interesting to me that, that the lion can be five miles away. But let me just go ahead and make a promise to you. For whatever reason, you and I are out in the woods somewhere or hiking together. And we hear a lion roar. I'm going to freak out. And then you can say, you know what? It's only, it's, it's, don't worry, it's five miles away. You know what? That's five miles too close to being near the lion. And we're going to find somewhere to get away. I don't know where you go to get away, but we're going to find somewhere to get away. And, and, and it's crazy to me that like a lion can be five miles away, nowhere near you, but just the sound of the roar can make you afraid. Isn't that true? Isn't that how the, the devil works in our lives? Like, like you, you're going to go to the doctor and the doctors have assured you like it's just routine. It's just a little physical. It's just some blood work. Nothing to be worried about. But it is going to take two weeks to get the results back. Don't be afraid. No reason to be worried. But it is going to take two weeks to get the results back. That's like a five-mile war. And you know you shouldn't be afraid. And you know that danger's not anywhere near you. But that's not the way fear works, is it? Fear gets in your mind. Fear gets into your heart. And the next thing you know, you're getting a little blood work done. And, and you haven't heard from them yet. And you're starting to think. You start, like, Googling stuff, which is a terrible idea. And you just start thinking, like, WebMD. And you're like, you know, what's wrong with me? And, and, and I mean, it's a fear. It's in your head. It's, it's, listen, the line's five miles away. Fear starts taking over. Or maybe, maybe at work, someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, or maybe they do, I don't know. They say, hey, I heard that maybe um, they're going to be laying some people off. It's probably not going to be until next year. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work yet, but some people are going to be laid off. And that line is five miles away. It doesn't matter. Because you go home and you start laying in bed thinking about what you're going to do if you lose your job. And... And how are you going to be able to make your house payment? And how are you going to pay for the kids' Christmas? And what are you going to do because you don't have any money? And fear begins to take over in your heart and in your mind. And the lion is five miles away, but his biggest weapon is his roar. It's his roar. So it's, it, it gets into our heads. Maybe you're... Maybe your kid's teacher sends a note home from school and says, uh, you know, I think maybe that uh, they may have some type of learning challenge or learning disability. And they're eight years old, and we're not even sure what's going on, 
And that, that line is five miles away, but all of a sudden you start wondering, you think they'll ever go to college? You think they can hold down a job? You think they'll ever find a spouse? Will they ever move out of the house? Like, what, what's, and fear begins to take over your mind, and, and, and it's five miles away, it's years and years away, but all of a sudden you begin to be fearful about what might happen in, your life, in the life of your child. Because the lion, our enemy, he just roars, he just makes noise, and from the day that you were born, you've been afraid of loud noises. And so he wants to make you afraid. But I love the imagery of the story of Benaiah, that he was not a man who was going to hide or cower. He decided he was going to chase the lion. So what are the possibilities? How could your life change if instead of running from roaring lions, you decided to run towards the roar and fight? How could your life change if you weren't afraid anymore? What has the devil convinced you that is the worst thing that could happen if you went for your dream, prayed that prayer, fought for something that mattered in your life? What could happen if instead of running away in fear or standing on the sidelines, you decided to run towards that lion and to chase him down? So many of us in the room, we'd love to take a risk. We'd love to chase a dream. But the fear of failing keeps us from running after our line. It's interesting because we, we said you're born with the fear of loud noises and you're born with the fear of falling, which obviously you grow out of to a certain extent. I'm a 33-year-old man. I'm not afraid of falling on this floor right here. But what's interesting is that you never truly get out of the fear of falling. It just it depends on how high the stakes are. I'm afraid of falling off this roof of this church. I'm afraid of falling in front of you. You ever tripped in front of a group of people and just stared at the floor like it was the floor? Like, what? <laughs> right? I'm embarrassed if I fall in front of you. And so I don't even know that we ever really get over the fear of falling. And I think the fear of falling and the fear of failing keeps so many of us in the room from chasing a dream, praying a great prayer, fighting for something that matters in our life. We believe that the worst thing that could happen is failure. But the worst thing that could happen to you is not failure. Nope. The worst thing that could happen is that you never try or you quit. The cure to fear is not success. Some of the most fearful people in the world are the most successful. The cure to fear is failure. Think about it. It's not a success, it's failure. Because once you realize you won't drown, you're not afraid to swim anymore. Once you realize you can fall off the bike and you're okay, you can ride the bike. Once you realize that you, your spouse did leave you and you are a single parent, but you were able to get out of bed and make it another day, you're not as afraid anymore. It's not success that makes you overcome fear, it's failure. So today I want to give you just one piece of advice that I believe has the ability to free you from fear. What I'm sharing with you today is actually something that, um, that counselors and psychologists have shared with lots of people, something my counselor actually shared with me several years ago, that, that I believe will help you chase your dreams, stare your lion down, maybe experience that answer to your prayer. Here it is. It's so simple, but can be life-changing for you. If you find fear keeping you 
from moving ahead, advancing forward, chasing. If you find fear keeping you back, here's what I want to tell you to do today. I want you to stare fear in the face. I want you to stare fear in the face. You're like, thank you, Jason. That doesn't help me at all. I'm serious. I literally want you to stare at your fear. Can you imagine what Benaiah was feeling that morning when he and that lion locked eyes? Like, the Bible doesn't tell us, but based on what we know to be true about Benaiah and all the people he hung with, it almost seems like the lion was the one who was afraid. The Bible says that Benaiah chased the lion, which means the lion had to be running away. I've never heard of a lion running away from a person before. They locked eyes. And, and, and here's what I'm learning about fear, is that fear is all hype. Fear is all hype. I'm learning that if I ever begin to chase my fears, my fears run from me. Amen. That fear is all hype. I want to ask you a question. When is the last time when fear ever lived up to the hype for you? Because in our head, it's so powerful and it's so strong and it, it grows and magnifies and we don't think we can do it and we'll never make it and all this stuff. But I really want, to, want you to think about it for a second. Some of the things, you, the, the biggest fears you've had in your life. When is the last time it ever lived up to the hype? I told you earlier I was afraid of needles. It's always worse in my head before they stick it in there. And then, it, you know, it's like it's, it pinches a little bit, but we'll, get, we'll move on. But what are you afraid of? What have you been afraid of? It's hype. It never lives up to the hype. Always bigger in your head than it is in real life. Always. And fear is so powerful because it lives in our minds. But if we can ever get fear out of our mind and stare it in the eye, we will begin to find victory. Our fears will begin to run from us. So I literally am going to challenge you and encourage you today to stare at your fears. To get it out of your mind and get it in front of your face. I want you to find a piece of paper. Not right now. I'm saying when you get home or I keep a journal. I've actually, I have a page in my journal from uh, last year where I, fear was kind of starting to take over my mind and anxiety and, and nervousness and I have a page in my journal that's titled, I'm Afraid Of. And I wrote down five things that were caught, that I was afraid of at that place in my life. At the top of that sheet of paper was, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid I'm never going to live up to my potential. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be the dad that I thought I could be, or the husband I thought I could be, or the pastor that I thought I could be. I'm afraid of failure. And as long as the fear of failure was in my head, it was beating me down. It was powerful. Because I did feel like a failure. But something really weird began to happen when I got it out of my head in front of my eyes. I began to look at the words, I'm afraid I will be a failure. And the more I looked at it, and the more I read it, the more that benign spirit in me began to rise up and want to fight that fear. I'm not a failure. I may not be where I want to be, but I begin to think about the successes that I've had in my life, the accomplishments that I'm seeing in my life, the things that God is helping me to do. So what are you afraid of? 
I want you to get it out of your head, and I want you to write it down, and I want you to look at it, and I want you to keep putting it somewhere where you have to keep looking at it, and then I want you to ask this question. Why are you afraid of that? Counselors call the five lies. That if you will ask yourself why five times, you will get to the root of the problem. Why am I afraid to be a failure? Because I don't want to be embarrassed. Why am I afraid to be embarrassed? Because I feel like my peers are accomplishing more than me. Why am I upset that my peers would accomplish more than me? Because I don't want to be the loser. Why am I afraid to be a loser? You keep digging, you're going to find the answer. And at some point, you'll know what your line is. And you are going to find out what it is, and you're going to get to decide whether or not you're going to fight it and face it and run after it, or you're going to run from it for the rest of your life. You start getting fear out of your head, you start getting it in front of your face, and you really begin to stare at it. Fear begins to lose its power. Why don't you start talking about it? You want a really awkward, like, conversation starter at your next Christmas party? What's your biggest fear? <laughs> Seriously, what's your biggest fear? You know, you're mom? I'm going to love it. I'm afraid I'm going to be a terrible mother. How's your day going? You know, like, I got this a little awkward. But you begin to talk about your fears, and here's what you realize. It's not that bad. It's not that strong. That lion's, that bark's not that bad. It's not that bad. So what are you afraid of? Fear of failure? Afraid of being alone? Afraid of rejection? Write it down. Make it the screensaver. It's almost like you've got enough audacity to taunt your enemy and just put your fear right in front of you. And some of you think, well, if I see it all the time, I'm going to be more afraid of it. No. Nope. It's not the way it works. The more you face it, the more you stare it down, the stronger you get, the less powerful it becomes. You can run away from what you're afraid of. You can. But you'll be running for the rest of your life. At some point, you have to stop running and you have to start chasing. Your greatest regret at the end of your life will be the lions that you did not chase. It will not be the failures that you experienced. So each week for this series, we've played a video that has what we're calling the Lion Chaser Manifesto. And I want to read it to you one more time, and we'll post it up on Facebook this week so that you can have it and share it. But here's the Lion Chaser Manifesto. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems and become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past. Start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight your dreams. Grab opportunity by the mane and don't let it go. Live like today is the first day and last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges and blaze new trails. <laughs> Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with you and what's right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the line. So today, I want to encourage you. Start the business. Do it. Ask her out. Or ask him out. Lead a small group. 
Talk to that friend about your faith and relationship with God. Get on that plane and go on that missions trip. Quit your job and become a missionary. Forgive the person who hurt you the most that you're so afraid to let go of. Say you're sorry. Start tithing. Give that ridiculous amount you've been afraid to give. Give your heart to Jesus. Maybe that's what you're afraid of. Confess your secret sin. Write that song. Write that book. Start that family. Go back to school. Drop out of school. Stay in your marriage. Tell someone how you feel. Set up that appointment with your boss. Adopt that child. Admit you have a problem. Fight your addiction. Chase your life.